What's up, gifted family? Welcome to another episode of the show that is the GP YouTube. Just a reminder that if you support what we do here, make sure to go over to giftedperformance.com and sign up for our automated coaching service. For only a dollar a day, you'll get access to 15 highly customized training programs, a macronutrient calculator, our meal planning feature that lets you build and save meals based on your macros, as well as access to our private Facebook group. All subscriptions help us in continuing to put out great content to get you to your fitness goals. Thanks for stopping by, and without any further delay, let's get into today's video. Enjoy. Welcome back, guys. Another episode of the GPP, the Gift of Performance podcast, where we give you the information and practical takeaways to improve your own general physical preparedness. Tom loves that intro. He smiles every time. Tom, it's good to see you. How are you? I'm good. Michael, do you want to blur your background again? Do I? I don't think so. You want just the gifted in there. Circle the wagon Sunday. And, of course, we are joined today by, if you live anywhere other than um, under a rock, you know Mr. Ashton Ruska himself. Ashton, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Seeing uh, the last squat video you posted, when was that from? What was that training session? The one from yesterday. The one, was it yesterday? That was yesterday. The big, the big set of five? Mm-hmm. How to feel powerful? You feeling dangerous? Uh, <laughs> good question. It felt uh, hard. <laughs> hard. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. There's, there's I, a certain know. point where everything just feels bad. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe seventy percent, but if it's over like five hundred pounds, it just feels bad. It was. It was hard. <laughs> <laughs> So for those who aren't, maybe they maybe aren't clued in, maybe they're not into the USAPL powerlifting circuit. Well, they should be. But if they are not, Ashton, give the people a little bit of an introduction on yourself. Personal competitive history. Do you play sports when you were younger? Um, all that kind of. What do you do in your free time? That kind of stuff. Great. Um, yeah, so I started powerlifting in USAPL back in 2013, April. Wow. Um, I did a state meet. I lived in Alaska during the time. Um, I, w- I also was a wrestler and a football player, and um, I also did martial arts in high school and late middle school. Um, but as I as I got as I progressed through high school um, and I moved to Texas, my junior year of high school, um, at that time frame, um, I needed to work a lot more. So there was a bit less sports, and I really only had time for powerlifting outside of academics and work. So I stuck with it since and um, fell in love with it since my first, you know, competition back in 2013. Um, let's see. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, um, set, you know, various records. People that know me know that I like to compete. Um, I compete pretty often. If I can, I like to compete as much as I can in a year. Um, you know, four or five, six times is good for me. Um, anything less than that uh for me is like is not enough um but yeah i mean and outside of lifting uh what i really really sort of enjoy doing these days is um not a lot because you know when you're in like grad school and everything else there's just like not very much time for yourself but i mean when i do get those you know lapses um something i really enjoyed doing before the whole COVID thing emerged was I would probably go to the movies like once every weekend. Um, it's just something I've always enjoyed doing. Big fan of horror, big fan of comedy movies and action. So any of those genres and I'm always down for it. Um, but yeah, other than, outside of that, uh, yeah, my life has been, uh, has revolved around working mostly in the past few years. I personally have three questions. I don't know if you, you guys want to jump in or want to let me rapid fire these off real quick. Tom, anything? Mike, anything? Go for it. Oh, I'm ready. Here we go. All right. Living in, you said Alaska, right? I didn't hear that wrong. Did I? <laughs> oh, you heard that right. I lived in Alaska. 
Perfect. What is your favorite Alaskan cuisine? <laughs> um, that, you know, I guess, I mean, like anything, I guess the seafood up there is really good. Like the salmon, like that was really huge in Alaska. Um, and I, I really like seafood a lot. So, yeah, that would probably be my favorite thing I've had up there. What's your, you heard it here first. What, what's P- your PES, Performance Enhancing Salmon. What's your, yeah. what's your opinion <laughs> Ashton on the uh, the wild Alaskan Pollock. <laughs> Don't have one. Are you a fan of the McDonald's filet of fish sandwich? Mm, not really. <laughs> <laughs> okay, reeling it back. Topic at hand. Second question. The first time you ever touched a barbell, squat, bench, deadlift. Do you remember your first lifts? Um. So the first time I ever tried to squat, I was uh, I was like 13 or 14 years old. Well, no, I was 14 when I first tried to squat. Um, and I just put on 225, and I tried to do it, and I got stapled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my first bench press, I did 55 pounds for three reps. And my first deadlift, I only deadlifted on a trap bar until like my sophomore year of high school. I did um, like three, three something, like 350 or 365, one of those two, depending on the weight of the bar. But yeah. That 55 pound bench triple, did you post that on the gram? <laughs> uh, <laughs> if I had one, I might have. <laughs> was, that, uh, was that like a hashtag poverty bench? What's the the weeb crew? What are they posting on their bench now? <laughs> bench, doesn't, bench doesn't count. No one cares about bench. Yeah, yeah. which is so funny. It's so funny because you, you even look on on social media like um, and I'm not you know a dude who really fishes like for likes or anything. It doesn't matter to me that much. But I just find it really funny like the difference between the bench videos you post and the squatter deadlift videos you post and the reactions to them. I'm like, Hey, here's me hitting three, three twenty for 10 on close grip, which I think is, you know, impressive and like cool. And then, you know, people are like, Oh, that five seventy squat looks nice. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, uh, I feel like the internet's like the upside down, right? Like if you walk into any gym in America, right. And you tell somebody, you know what you bench, that's what they want to know. Right. Like, yeah. In general population, they don't care what you squat or deadlift. Like they don't really conceptualize those things, but they care about your bench press. So you go like powerlifting Instagram, nobody cares about your bench press. They're like, yeah, that's that's like lunch at the powerlifting meet, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that's for that's for good reason. I mean, ninety nine percent of the time, you're not going to win your meets off your bench press. But I, I, I think that it's also uh, like a really big bench takes years and years to build up just because of the the amount of mass that goes behind. Like you, you don't see skinny people putting up 500 pound bench presses, you know, and uh, and I think there's a little bit quicker hit of gratification from building up a squatter, especially a deadlift. Like you see these guys deadlift at 700 pounds and you're like, how, you know, like you can load that weight, but, but you know, you, you can you can get it off the floor somehow. Yeah, I, I was actually reading this morning. Um, I think it is there's over 1,000 drug tested 700 deadlifts now. Yeah, it's, it's wild. So, Ashton, when you were growing up, when you were getting started in lifting, did you have anyone, any powerlifters? When you kind of transitioned over more towards powerlifting, did you have any powerlifters that you really looked up to or that you wanted to emulate? Hmm. So, I want to. Well, before I ever started lifting, um, I actually like on YouTube, you know, such a big thing. I mean, I guess it's still a big thing now, but like, I, I would, you know, watch like videos of um, just various people just like lifting, you know, heavy weights. Like one of the guys I actually came across on YouTube a lot who later coached me was Gene, Gene Bell. Um, and then I saw like Ed Cohen videos and then I saw a lot of the older lifters too from like the 90s and like the early mid 2000s. 2000 you know before 2010 um but particularly i was really impressed with gene and then his son ian as well a little bit later when i saw some of his stuff emerge too this was before i had even met them 
Um, also, Johnny Candido. I watched his videos a lot when um, I was like, like a lot younger, and um, you know, had the pleasure to, to meet Johnny and get to know him and become a friend with him. Um, it's, it's kind of funny how you know your idols, you know, over over time, um, the people that you you know idolize from the start, you know, there comes a point where you know if you stick around long enough and you get to a, a higher level, that they just become you know acquaintances. I know that's something that Ryan and Mike can empathize with, you know, when I joined the team, you know. Always looking at the top. I was like, man, how can this guy safety bar squat 300 pounds? Please teach me your ways, sir. Uh, but no, I mean, um, but when the big, the big thing for me was what got me into lifting. So it was because I was starting to play football then. Um, and you know the coaches that's where i first started lifting weights and then we, i lived in korea at that time and then i um there was a guy never forget him his i'm, I'm convinced his name his first name is coach uh coach Park. <laughs> and um <laughs> yeah i mean he was like a a jacked um half korean half japanese i believe i, I don't want to mess that up but I, I hope that's at least that's what he, I think what he said to me years ago. But I, at any rate, I digress. Um, he was, you know, ex- extremely and incredibly impressive lifter, like um, really strong. And, you know, he taught me a lot from the very beginning about lifting him and um, some of the football coaches I had then. And then um, when it came to powerlifting, really, um, after that first meet a couple months later, I moved to San Antonio, Texas, where I would eventually meet Mike. Um and uh that's where yeah <laughs> and that's where i met uh gene i was introduced to gene through um one of the usapl members in alaska um and to me that was nuts because like i already kind of knew who he was and i like, saw his videos and stuff and um really i was really excited to get to texas and to work with him um and yeah that was a fun time um i mean it was he was you know when it came to lifting he was just as great in person i mean i got there i was you know 16 and like he was stronger than me. He was like in his fifties. <laughs> and I was like, Jesus Christ, this guy's crazy. But yeah, no, that he was probably one of my biggest early role models once I got into powerlifting. Okay, Alaska, Korea, anywhere else that we need to know of? Any other extreme locations that you've lived in before, or was it just straight to Texas from there? Fun level. That's quite the trajectory. <laughs> Where did you live at? Uh, North. I've lived in North Carolina, Tennessee, okay. and Germany as well. He's been everywhere, man. He's been everywhere, man. Military brats. Yeah, very true, very true. So, shall we talk the recent meet? Sure. Let's do it. I just want to start. I want to get it out of the way right away. Eight for nine. You left some on the table. We all know it. How do you sleep at night? How do you? How do you even <laughs> go to bed at night? Oh, I don't sleep. That's the, <laughs> that's the man's secret. Fair. Yeah. No, but uh, seriously, it's a crazy, crazy, insane numbers. Numbers that we've that we are not seeing anyone else hit right now. I mean, across the board, 2095 total, 793, 457, 844. Those are freedom units, folks. Freedom units, because last time I checked, this is America. At 217, at 217 right. pounds. Are you kidding me? So how are you feeling going into that meet? Were you really primed feeling dangerous? Like you had something serious cooked up? Hmm. I um, actually felt pretty average going into the meet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <It> just <laughs> broke poor Mike's heart. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, how do you feel average, though? Like, um, like was, was training good? It was um, it was pretty good up until the last like three weeks or so, two or three weeks that I didn't feel so great for a little while. Um, but that was probably because I was, you know, um, so I had like a really really big session maybe about four weeks out, where like I did like um, eight seventy on deadlift and like um, squatted eight hundred seven ninety nine and then benched four or sixty nine or four sixty three one of those. Um, um, and you know, after that session, cause that, that I was like building up to that. So each week I was slipping really heavy and I built up to that. And then after that, uh, yeah, 
I, I was pretty beat from that. Um, so the other sessions then was just sort of to, you know, um, manage, I guess, sort of the accumulated fatigue from all of that training prior and to um, just sort of feel better, feel fresher before the meet. And then by the time the meet rolled around, like, felt, you know, like on the day of the meet, like I felt like pretty normal. Like I didn't feel um, like there's some days where just it's on, you know, when you're on, like it wasn't one of those days. Um, it was just like a normal day. Like if I go in on a Saturday and I'm like supposed to lift heavy and I go through the motions and, you know, lift heavy, it was, that's pretty much what it was like for me, at least. Yeah. It's the best way I can describe it. Wow. When you hit a when you hit a big section like that at four or five weeks out, is is there some pressure that you feel moving forward? Like, all right, these are some big numbers that I hit. Like, what do I do moving forward to improve upon those numbers? So on meet day, I hit something even bigger. Is that something that you kind of just meh, whatever, we're just moving along with it? Yeah, I'm a little bit more of the second thing, Um, because for me, you know, I realized that. you know, I mean, we all know this, like progress obviously isn't, you know, fully and totally, you know, linear all the time. Um, and there are like some fluctuations and, you know, that those weeks after the meet or after that big session I did, I knew we we're going to be really busy here outside of um, lifting anyway. Um, and so just being able to manage that was really a priority, but essentially just maintaining, you know, good health going into the meet was the main goal because I was still, you know, lifting moderately heavy weights and, I w- it's not like I was going to just lose my strength or all of it was just going to disappear. So um, I didn't really, I don't really overreact or freak out about that kind of stuff like I used to maybe years ago. Yeah. I, I got a question on that, Ashton. Um, yeah. Like on, on the, on the topic of like kind of trusting your training, and like your peak and stuff like that. Um, that was something that I never used to do very well, but for me, training around guys like Gene and Ian, especially like I would see them. I I mean, honestly, like having not good training sessions, you know, like two weeks out, you would think at that point you'd be like, Oh my God, like this is like not going to go well. But like, it really always impressed me how they would be just like super calm and just like, yeah, you know, it's, it's not meat day yet. So it's fine. Do you feel like that's something that kind of rubbed off on you? Cause that, that was like one of the biggest takeaways for me from training around those guys. Yeah, I think after working with with Gene for so long, um, if it was like, you know, a week, two weeks out from a meet and I felt absolutely crushed, like I was no longer ever worried about it. Yeah, that confidence is so huge. I think so, too. Um, Yeah. I mean, because if you just if you go into it with the expectation that you're not going to perform well because, you know, you feel like, you know, like trash, then then you might you might perform like trash. I mean, you know, it's true. I agree. So when you talk about, you know, having little and Mike made a post about this, about, you know, kind of training through pain, pain, training through fatigue, training through small injuries. Are, are those things that you are, are small injuries, something that you've had to deal with across your career? Or are you one of those people that's pretty blessed in terms of staying healthy across the board for the most part? What I will say is. Um, for me, it's it's it was it's kind of a strange pattern. I used to get hurt a lot when I was uh, getting into it. Maybe like, so if you looked at my the time I started powerlifting to now, so 2013 to now, and once April hits of next year, that'll be eight years. So if you take the first four years of it, I used to get hurt a lot, like pretty badly sometimes. And then the next two years after that, you know, I started getting hurt less. Like it's still happened every now and then but just much less and now like the past year and a half or so plus like i very very rarely have to i very rarely like actually like i think deal with small injuries or get hurt anymore um it's because i think the mentality over like the years and the focus for me sort of changed for me my mindset now is the healthiest that i can possibly be is always going to be the strongest i can possibly be um and so above even i mean don't get me wrong i'm still you know definitely pushing numbers because you know this is a sport on numbers you know and numbers win it but at the same point in time i've shifted the focus and priority so much to so much more than before to like my health now and just having good health and being functional and being healthy that i think that you know part of you know these performances that i've been putting up lately can be strongly attributed to just being healthier because i mean for years like i was really strong but i would get hurt i would get set back 
I'd have to train through it again. I'd get hurt again, train through it again. Um, to put it in perspective, I did my first 700 pound deadlift when I was 17 years old. I got hurt pretty bad shortly after, and I didn't do 700 pounds again until the same exact meet one year later. So in my mind, I'm like, this is an entire year of progress that I'm actually behind on in reality. And so, you know, putting that in perspective, um, or that really put things into perspective for me, I should say. And, you know, my, my priorities sort of shifted and I became much more health focused. So lately, um, I've been pretty healthy for the most part. And it's very rare that I have, have injuries. I mean, there was the pet strains I had this year, much earlier this year, which was interesting because in 10 years of lifting, I've never had pec strains or pec issues. Um, but it was just sort of, I think, a lot of um, unfortunate sort of uh, circumstances just sort of aligning at the right moment. Which, which will probably happen once in, in 10 years. So, um, you know, but other than that, I've been pretty healthy. My pec and shoulder is a lot healthier now. Um, so, yeah. And when we look at kind of injury prevention or staying healthy in training, a lot of that just comes back to kind of how you structure your training. How are you actually structuring your training? So what is your training structure as a whole kind of look like? Is there a system that you and your coach prefer something that you found that works best for you over time? Are you more of like a pre-planned? Here's the plan. There's the numbers that we're hitting today. Stick with that or more on the side of auto regulation. I'm interested to hear kind of how you structure things. Okay. Yeah. So I definitely think there's a place for both, um, in, in programming for, for those, you know, sort of pre-structured numbers as well as the auto regulation. Um, Auto-regulation, auto at least when you're first starting out with, you know, very much like super beginner lifters, I, I don't think is, you know, I, I mean, I think it still has its place, but you might use it less with them. And as people get more experienced um, and they become more sort of fine-tuned with their bodies and they begin to understand, you know, um, sort of, they begin to get a better understanding of, you know, their abilities, then I think that it's it's more appropriate than to usually incorporate more and more of like stuff like auto regulation. Um, but I will say that in the last few years, I would often do a lot of SPD sessions, um, like once or twice a week, and um, and I would usually do this in what I found before I started working with uh, Marcellus, my coach, my current coach, because. Um, I, before him, I was actually training myself like pretty much the last like four and a half plus years. So, um, you know, what I found was if I want to push hard, you know, push like rather aggressively, but still have fun and for it to be safe. Um, usually it was, I kind of call it like the rule of four for me, it was like four weeks. And then after four weeks, like, you know, body would start to sort of just like, you would just like literally feel like you're deteriorating and then you would have to sort of like back off for a bit, reset, and then restart. And then for me, that's sort of what I've enjoyed doing is is taking like four-week periods um, and pushing, you know, relatively hard, but within reason. And then taking a little bit of time to heal like that first week of the next four-week period, but still just enough weight, you know, to maintain fitness and then do the same thing over again. And then I've been doing that over and over again for the last couple of years. And it's worked out pretty well. Um, sometimes I think more volume is appropriate than others. Like if you're trying to gain weight, like if I've, you know, I lately I've been gaining weight, so I've been doing more volume um, than I usually would do. But for a while, when I was, you know, planning on just staying in the 93s, I didn't do as much volume. I just did more heavy singles, like triples to singles, honestly, just because, I mean, I'm not saying that volume was like, wasn't useful for me during that time, but I already had like the muscle mass, you know, for that weight class. And, and when I was competing 93 anyway, I, you know, I'm not really bragging. I'm not the cocky person, but I was by far the leanest one, the most muscular one. Um, so building muscle mass wasn't really a huge concern for me. It was just getting stronger at that point, um, at the weight that I was at. And I was already maxing the weight class at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, in a roundabout way, just to kind of go back to your original question, it, it's mostly the four week, uh, periods that I like to push pretty hard and but three weeks of it's really pushing hard one week of it is sort of recovering from the last four weeks mainly that's kind of what it looks like Tom I want to open the floor you seem like your interest has been peaked um 
Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, you know, training to gain muscle mass. And I'm interested to kind of get some context here because uh, you said you pulled 700 for the first time when you were 17. And uh, obviously, you know, you probably didn't start off like super muscular. But uh, do you think that maybe your body responds to training uh, in a way that's maybe more biased towards, you know, accumulation of lean tissue? You know, like some people, um, you know, they don't really become more muscular from training unless they're really chasing that with their design. Um, mm-hmm. And other people, you know, you can feed them heavy singles and they're jacked as hell, just like for breathing. Um, you know, and, and so you know, given those two extremes of like the, the guy who, who can't, you know, catch a pound if you threw it at him and, and a guy who, uh, you know, just just grows muscle from air. Uh, you, you think you maybe kind of uh, trend a little bit more towards the, the gifted side of, of that spectrum, that continuum? 100 percent yeah he's naturally just a more muscular guy um which is cool you know and i i I think that gives you a lot of opportunity just beyond um you know you you have a less general fitness that you have to cultivate before you can dig into the competitive portion you know um i'm like for instance to to use myself as an example because i'm a really good example of what you don't want to be for powerlifting um (laughs) You know, I'm, 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 I'm not a big framed guy. I'm, I'm a little over five, eight. My, my wife's wrists are the same size as mine. You know, like I've just got small bones. We, we, we joke that I have bird bones, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, and I'm, I'm naturally just a light build. And, uh, and for me, my, the most success I've had with training when I was powerlifting and training for powerlifting, uh, usually involved a long buildup of a lot of volume and really trying to, uh, build a good structural base before I, I took on heavier stuff. And, uh, you know, obviously when you're talking about like, I'm going to, I'm going to build up before I take on a heavy training phase, you may talk about 12 weeks of prep for a six week heavy training phase. So you're, you're 18 weeks with six weeks of what I would consider productive powerlifting training versus, you know, you who maybe are able to accomplish something similar, um, just off of specific training alone, yeah, it gives you a huge advantage that, that lets you uh, lets you really dig into the, the specific movements a lot harder, feel weight on your back more often, in your hands more often. And so I, I think that's an interesting kind of dichotomy. And it's not to say anybody's, you know, better or worse, just that uh, it, it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable the amount of variation, you know, within humans with that regard. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it's funny that you're mentioning all this, like for years, I didn't believe that the style of training that I've done in the past year and a half or so was like not very sustainable. I was, you know, I, I kind of grew up believing, you know, there has to be, you know, a lot of volume. There has to be a lot of building, you know, these heavy weights need, you know, can wait for, you know, when you're getting much closer to competition. But, you know, I, one day I just woke up and I was like, maybe that's bullshit. And then I just tested it out. You know, I just tested it out. Right. Um, and it worked, you know, it worked, it worked perfectly fine. And again, I kind of, you know, hearken to this earlier, but the last year and a half, two years have been the most healthiest I've been in this sport. Yeah. Well, you know, I, so I, I think that kind of harkens back to like the, the, the enormity of individual differences here, you know, and, and, uh, I know there's a lot of people out in the world of fitness to think that like, you can just put everybody on the same program and that there's one best program period. And it really is not because, you know, if, if I took my, my 15 years of lifting experience and, and took me starting out in like 2005, 2006, how I would train me versus how, you know, you at, at 10 years in would train, you know, your, your own avatar at 10 years prior, um, you know, with the knowledge of, of where you are, it'd be totally different. Right. So I, I think that, I think that's pretty cool that, uh, you know, there could be such an enormous variation. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, you're the, you know, with, with more frequency and heavier weights and, and kind of the, what you've described in terms of training, uh, that's, uh, that, that you feel healthy and good training that way. And I know that personally, uh, I went through a phase where I trained like that and I broke my back. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> like literally, literally was... fractured my spine. <laughs> that's also what I was going to get to. Um, it's definitely not sustainable for everybody. Yeah. I figured for myself, you know, just theoretically that it would be because, you know, I had like the muscle mass already developed and I'm assuming that I have the bone density as well. Um, I've never broken a bone in my life from all the sports I played and I've, well, I've broken other bones, but not my bones. <laughs> yeah. Um, not to incriminate myself, but on Saturday <laughs> nights, I like to, uh, it's, it's not a threat. It's just a <laughs> yeah. No, but, um, but yeah, I mean, but for me specifically, like this, this style worked really well and to put it in perspective. So in 2017, um at raw nationals in the 205 weight class i was 20 years old i i totaled 1851 for the win that was 2017 that was my biggest total in a meet all the way up until 2018 december and i had competed several times after that but i didn't break beat that total and in that total that next biggest total is when i started training like the way that i'm describing i hit 1901 at that meet so from 2017 2017 to 2018 December, it was a 50 pound increase in the total. The next year in July, I did 1984 in 2019, so about eight months later, and that was an 83 jump pound jump in the total in less than a year. And then the next year, I hit 2095 this year, and um, that is over a 110 pound increase. It's, so each year, the, the the increases in total right have gone up. <laughs> That's that's that, that makes me nervous. A lot. You know, usually uh, <laughs> usually people don't have progression at that rate. You know, guys who hit eighteen hundred pound totals are like, okay, we're going to grind for two years for thirty pounds, and you're yeah. like, you know, every year just knocking out another hundred. It's wild. <laughs> yeah, Jeez. I mean, yeah. Once I started, you know, like I said, once I started prioritizing and focusing on health, and then I changed and adapted the training to make it more efficient for me personally. The progress, you know. It just took off. Um, and um, to, to put it in, you know, to make it even more interesting, the total that I won in, in 2017 with the 1851 total. So yesterday I did sets of five or on deadlift with 1852. So, <laughs> so it's like worlds apart now, basically. And I'm only, you know, 15, 20 pounds heavier than I, 20 pounds heavier than I was then, which is a lot, but yeah. So, I, I'm curious. I, I know you, you mentioned a couple times uh, prioritizing health, um, and uh, I know kind of globally, I have an idea. We all have a, an idea of, of what that means, um, but you know that that's coming from our own position of biases and how we treat ourselves. For for you specifically, with what you're training, mm-hmm. um, looks like what does that mean? Yeah. Um, so a big part of it for me is. Um, might be partly psychological too, but like fatigue management, like if I'm hitting, you know, huge total after huge total each weekend and I'm doing it for more than, you know, two or three weeks, like I almost like sort of intuitively know like, yeah, I'm getting more fatigued and more beat up. And if I keep pushing at this rate in another couple of weeks, like I'll be due for either an injury or a really, really bad session um, or a bad session that could end in an injury. And so um, it's almost like I don't have necessarily exact markers, I would say. But I, it's mostly come from just like trial and error, like experimenting with like the amount of time I can go pushing relatively hard. And then when things would just feel totally beat up and I feel like I'm literally about to get hurt. So that's what I used to do when I first started doing it. Like I would train really hard until I felt like I was going to get hurt and then I would stop. And I mean, I, I mean, I didn't get hurt doing that, but I definitely was playing with fire for a bit. Um, but even over time, I found that that was not the most efficient way to do it. Um, but it was good that I did that though, because I now have a much better idea, at least feeling wise of like how much more my body can handle or take before I'm probably going to get hurt. So uh, that, that's really cool. It's something that Mike and I talk a lot about. I'm, I've been doing Mike's training for a little, little over a year now, I think. Yeah, just about a year. And, um, and we talk a lot about, especially when we first got started, he was coming out of kind of a, uh, a period of inconsistency and, and acclimating to new stuff in life with his, his daughter and everything. And, um, uh, we talked about a lot about momentum as a concept in training. And uh, it sounds like that's kind of, kind of like what you're talking about, you know, is, is, uh, week in, week out, like, you know, 
the, I guess, the mindset that you, you don't go broke taking a profit, but you don't want to squeeze the sponge too hard at any time. You don't want to burn the meat. Exactly. So, you know, just, just take a little bit and then uh, move forward, being a step ahead and leave some on the table for next time. Yeah, that's no, that's, that's a great, um, it's a great analogy depth for building momentum. Um, because some people, you know, for a while I tried to, you know, you know, go, go a bit too much, do a bit too much. I mean, it had its value because now I know better of like when I'm approaching that kind of, you know, um, that sort of like level of fatigue, like what, what injury prospect kind of looks like, but, um, but for the most optimal sort of like performance and for gains and everything, um, you know, it's not, it's not, a it's not necessary. At least I don't think. Yeah. You can, you can get away with, with taking everything that's there all the time until you can't. And, uh, and you yeah. don't pick when you can't get away with it. It just happens. Like with, um, especially with conventional deadlift, man, like I, I would like train that, you know, just balls to the wall. So crazy. You know, like crazy. I think I think Mike's seen me do like crazy air wraps like in the past and stuff like like just just you know insane stuff. And um, now you know that's like the lift out of all of my lifts that I like to train besides like bench. Like the most, well, no, not besides bench. I actually like to kind of push bench, but like the conventional deadlift. Like that's the one I usually train the most, like sub maximally. Um, and um, my minus yesterday. Yesterday I pushed it kind of hard, but um. But I usually I train that one like pretty submaximally now. I don't like to go like super super heavy on it. Um, and then when I need to perform on it, then I always can because I'm like relatively fresher and have good momentum built. Yeah, confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Coming back to coming back to where you're weighing at right now. Just so you're competing right around two seventeen. You said two sixteen, two seventeen ish. I was 217 at the meet. I was 221 yesterday. 221 yesterday. Okay. So so still some some room to fill out the weight class, you'd say, right? Another three-ish pounds, three, four pounds. What's what's the plan there? Making some changes nutritionally, making some changes training-wise to increase that body weight. What's the uh what's the plan? Mm-hmm. So it's uh so I compete in the two thirty-one weight class. So there's technically about oh, a 10. Yeah. you are mm-hmm. I forgot. Yep. Yep. So there's like a 10 to like 12 pound gap of weight. Oh my easily God. Gain. Sky is the limit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, the last time I gained 20 pounds from 200, 1851 to 217. Stop. Stop. You already shamed us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But 17 pounds made that much difference. So another 10, you know, would probably make, probably still make a pretty significant difference. Um, and, um, yeah, so I am like just slowly gaining. Um, I don't like to. Uh, I mean, because I can actually pack on weight really fast, but I, I mean, I can lose it fast too. So I just try to um, essentially eat like in a particular within a particular calorie range uh, to stay like in a slight surplus and just slowly gain weight. And it's been working. I mean, over the last several months, I've been just slowly gaining weight along the way, um, and it's worked out pretty nicely and have stayed very lean. Um, cause I, I don't want to, um, I don't want to, I mean, I don't think this would be an issue, but I, I don't want to not be lean. So that's another, just for like, well, one, just like appearance to, um, you know, functionality. Like I just, I still want to be able to do a lot of stuff, you know, uh, Mike may have heard the, the old saying, shoot, move and communicate. I want to be able to, you know, still of course maintain and do all of those things. Um. So, so yeah, you know, I just focus on slowly gaining and I don't really rush it. Mike tells me um, now that we're on the topic of nutrition, on the topic of food, Mike tells me there's a certain story involving cocoa infused lactose beverage, chocolate milk that I, that I need to hear about. So do you want to just, Mike, do you want to preface it with anything? Do you want him to just jump in? Yeah, I, I want to preface it. Also, because I have I have the video, like so we should see if we can just like clip it in or something. We like absolutely that. can, that'd, can, that'd and cool. we will. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll let Ashton take it. I mean, I, I guess I'll just set the stage. It's, it's important to note that it's like 120 degrees in tight, so inside yeah. Texas strength systems at pretty much all times of year. So um, we'll, we'll start there. And, and yeah, it's, it's not really that much of a story. It's just like when I knew that Ashton was built different was when I when I witnessed him <laughs> do this. So. Yeah, I used to, um, 
And this, I don't know why I stopped doing it. It worked so well for me, actually. Like I used to, yeah, yeah, I used to like in between um, sets, I would just, I would chug like chocolate milk. I would get Thomas Land chocolate milk. That's my favorite brand of chocolate milk. Big stuff. stuff. That is, that is, that's a tasty brand. Creamy, delicious. Like that, that was like my thing. And I would like sometimes I would like chug it between sets. Because like I had been, I had read like a like a series of studies then I was like a teenager at this point I think still I like read a series of studies you know like oh well you know what athletes are drinking chocolate milk you know intro workout is helping them recover better for you know subsequent sets where they have to you know perform at higher intensities I was like okay great so you know I I drink chocolate milk and I'll be able to perform better and uh, I mean it worked out well but like Mike said the main issue was that it was like a hundred plus degrees in the gym. So chocolate milk didn't always sit well in your stomach, like when you're drinking it, like when it's that hot. Um, but but I was still able to perform well, so I mean, I guess it was worth it. Yeah, perform well. He was doing like pause squats with like 450 to 500 pounds for like sets of like eight or something like that. It, it was like it was absurd. Yeah. It was not that was a high. He was not casually place. doing arms or something like that. He was he was lifting weights at the time. It was it was absurd. Um, so. So yeah, no, that's just that's like the one thing that sticks out in my mind. I just I think it needs to be spread further and wider than, <laughs> than it has been so far. We need to grow this legend. So <laughs> a quarter ton yeah, on your back with a belly full of chalky milk. So yeah, yeah. I do have a follow-up question. When you say chugging, and because Promised Land, as a fan of Promised Land as well, it comes in different sizes. Are we talking half gallon? We're we talking a sixteen ouncer, the half the half, half gallon. Half gallon or gallon. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 that, it was like a half gallon. It was a lot. It was not just the individual serving. Yeah, no, it's not a, a small uh, bottle that's like, you know, eight or six. Four families. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pro- 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 Promised Land is, is not lightweight chocolate milk. It's like melted. No, it is, uh, no it's, <laughs> it's like thicker. Like the viscosity, like it just feels yes. different, you know? Um, These <laughs> Fairlight cool, fans don't know about it. They don't know. Yeah, no, no this, is, this is not Paul's chocolate milk. <laughs> no, Fairlife chocolate milk is like water compared to Promised Land. <laughs> now, now, now I'm actually gain weight too. That's a great. That's a great way to do it. Is drinking freaking? Yeah, that was yeah. my next question. So I when you say gain slowly, small surplus, and you roughly track calories, how many calories is that for you? Just curious. On average, like four thousand. Okay. <laughs> okay. Nice. Like four thousand ish. Do you have a pretty? Now, do you have a pretty active lifestyle as well? Getting a lot of steps, moving around a lot throughout the day. Um, not ne- not necessarily. I mean, um, not recently, at least. I did for like the last four years before I started grad school. Um, well, the last like eight nine years before I started grad school. But I mean, since grad school, like. I mean, I still am active. Like, I still do cardio. I still move around and stuff like that. Um, but it's definitely not the same. And especially with COVID and everything else, too. It's kind of it's kind of changed a lot of that. But I still definitely do what I can. I'm thinking about doing a... I've done it, like, three times. Thinking about doing Baton Death March again. It's like this... Uh, I did, like, for So, like, three years in undergrad, I did this, like, 26-mile, uh, like, marathon. Like, it's a road... Like, it's a rec march. So, you have, like, a rec sack. And, you know, it's like 50 pounds or whatever. Um, and I did that three times. I might, I'm thinking about doing it again in the next year or two, just because that's like one of those things in the arm. I don't know. Like I, I like working and it's good for you. <laughs> how, uh, how are you going to stay hydrated during that? <laughs> that's a great are question. You, uh, are you bringing out the secret yeah, weapon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like I'll, I'll have extra, um, I might have a camelback full of, um, of, of promised land oh, savage savage <laughs> <laughs> i might die if i do that <laughs> so my last big actual serious non-chocolate milk related question here for you you talked military obligations you talked grad student you talked elite level usapl lifter what goes into balancing all of those for you from a time management standpoint? Because you hear people all the time talking about, oh, you know, my training takes up so much of my time. And, you know, they're working the frosty machine 10 hours a week at Wendy's compared, <laughs> yeah, to, what? compared to what you're doing. So how, how do you find how do you find how do you make the time? What does your time management look like? 
Yeah, I laughed when I read that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Shit, no. He's contractually right. obligated to say that. <laughs> We're <laughs> laughing. <laughs> Someone's holding up a sign in the back. Yeah. No. Um, but uh, no, that's that is a really good question um, because yeah, because life has just been so hectic, especially since, especially in this last year. Um, like it's not even funny. I'm actually thinking about buying a planner soon, which I've never done in school before. Never used a planner. I've never used anything like that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've been hearing. I've I've never needed one. Like I've always been able to manage everything in my head perfectly fine until this year. Like this year was like the breaking point. So, um, uh, later this evening, I'm going to be going to buy a planner to help. But um, but but a bit on the time management part though. Um, so I am a firm believer that um people who are truly usually invested in something like to a certain degree will definitely allocate time to it um and this time may look different for different people due to their lifestyles but um time is you know at the end of the day our most sort of precious commodity in this world and once it's gone you don't get it back and you know um people usually usually functionally will try to spend um, a certain amount of time in proportion to how much they care about something. Um, and for me, you know, I found that I've always cared about training. I've always cared about fitness and being strong. So I, you know, allocate some of my time to it. And even if that means, you know, taking away time from other things or making sacrifices in other places, you know, for me, it's something I care about. So it's something I do. Um, with that said, you know, I understand that people, some people have like busy lives and, you know, they have a lot going on. I have a busy life, but, um, but there are ways, you know, there are ways to manage your time. I think a planner is probably a great way to do it. I mean, I had like my own planner in my brain, like for the first year of grad school and college and everything else. Um, but, I, but essentially like, you know, if you have to, you know, get a plan, get something and break down your days hour by hour and, you know, see what has to be done see um you know once you fill sort of all that in like what has to be done then fill in the other things that matter to you that you want to get done with the time that you have left and like you might be training at odd hours like there were times where i would train very very late or very very early like after pt like i would sometimes train um you know um or before pt even sometimes i used to like i would train sometimes and um you know I hate to say it, but like, you just kind of really got to want it. <laughs> I know it's cliche, but like, you got to want it. and You have to be willing to dedicate and allocate some of your time to it. And, you know, it's not always like, and sometimes you are more busy than others, right? So sometimes it's okay, you know, like to take away a little bit of time from that, you know? Um, like, you don't always have to invest a crazy amount of time into training year round all the time to get better. Like, you know, um, I think that's something that's also important, you know, for us to, to remember um, there are definitely time periods where I have a lot going on and I'm in the gym a little bit less and my head is a little bit more in books or, I mean, in computer screens these days. Totally has changed the the graduate school experience um, to something that I, I did not want, but here we are. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's okay to pull away and sometimes it's okay to push a little more. And really, functionally, you just have to sort of, I think, break things down if necessary, hour by hour and see where you have time to train and it's okay. Like if you need to split up sessions, like, you know, whatever it takes, you know, you can do that. There's no rule that says you can't do that and that you can't get better. So I think that's something really important for people to, uh, to bear in mind if they're serious about not even just powerlifting, but just training or whatever it is that they want to allocate time to in their life. Uh, Mike, I'm interested. I'm interested to see if, uh, you kind of had a similar experience, similar input after you kind of had your layoff from training or your inconsistencies in training and then coming back kid deployment, all that comes with that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we could, we could say that. I don't, I don't think I'm quite as good at, uh, at managing everything quite yet. Um, but I mean, I, I think there's a lot to be said for the, the idea of, you know, keeping it simple for one thing, like, you know, uh, you know, Ashton's going to go and buy a planner, um, not like invest in some like crazy tool that's going to like organize everything for him. Like so far, he's done well with like the couple of tools that he's uh, he's had intrinsically. 
but now is going to get a little bit of external help, but like, you know, not trying to like rely on some special system to do it for you, you know, keeping it simple is I think huge. Um, and then also being flexible and understanding that it's kind of, kind of ebb and flow a little bit, but that, that kind of ties into the momentum piece too, is, you know, if there's a time where like, you know, if, if like school is the primary thing you got to focus on, like you want to be building that momentum with your like studies and all that, not, you know, peaking your bench press or, or something, you know, you, you can work on both of these things at the same time. It's not going to like abandon you. But I think the idea of like things kind of ebbing and flowing and like having like an on time and an off time is, is huge. And, you know, like I kind of alluded to still very much kind of getting the hand handle of it. But, uh, but, you know, I can definitely relate to a lot of what he's saying. And, you know, I think for a lot of folks out there, biggest thing would just be just, just do it, just get it done. Um, do a little self audit on your time, break it down hour by hour if you have to and chunk things, but just, just getting it done and don't wait for the perfect system. That's going to get everything done. 80% solution, a lot better than a, a zero solution. So no, that's music to my ears. I love it. Absolutely. Especially if you're in the military. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> in any, in any way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. This seems like a good as time as any to plug our sponsor, Marshalls. Stop on down at Marshalls. Get yourself a planner. Use our discount code GPP10 at Marshalls. Just walk up to the counter, yell that at the person. If you get arrested, don't it's, don't, don't, don't call us. She most certainly can. She can make anything. The sweatshop at my house is advanced. Advanced. <laughs> hey, let's get one of those out to Ashton. So he Perfect. Go to the store tonight. Done deal. Consider <laughs> oh, it so done. Cool. No, I think Mike. I think you brought up a really good point. I think people would. What I tell people is to live their lives with dimmer switches, to where you're dialing things up and down in your life. School, dialing that up. Got to dial training down a little bit. None of these inputs are ever off. You're never turning off training. You're never turning off off work or family or school or anything like that. It's just sliding up and down based on kind of the season of your life that you're in and what you really have time to emphasize. Sometimes you can run with the lights a little bit higher. Sometimes you want to avoid that. The electric bill is getting a little too high and you want to dial that stuff back. Yeah, I I think it's important. Also, you kind of have to audit uh, what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, And it's really easy in, in you know, for those of us that are around physical culture and physique and strength sports to do things just because it's what we've always done. And, uh, and that's a recipe for burnout too, because you're devoting, you know, four to eight to 12, whatever hours a week of time to, and then all the energy that goes into it as well. And, you know, I struggled with this recently. Um, and it may be something you really just don't want to do anymore because you don't care about it. And, and so it's important to keep everything kind of focused in the big picture of why you're doing it, what you're doing, why you're doing it. And uh, if your why kind of dries up, maybe it's time to find a new why or find a new thing. Um, you know, cause they, like I said, there's nothing worse than just grinding away, you know, and, you, and you're spending time, which is like you said, precious and energy, which is almost as precious and, and all of the opportunities that you may pass up, uh, you know, training a certain way or training for a certain thing just because um, without having really done a, a good audit of, of your motivations for it. And, uh, and then you look up and be like, I'm really tired of this and I don't even want to do anything slightly different. I don't want to do it at all. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very true. All right. I think that just about wraps up all my questions for the day. Mike, Tom, anything you wanted to circle back to? Ashton, let me just say, we really appreciate you coming on. Very valued guest. I enjoyed our conversation, enjoyed our laughs, the real ones and the fake ones that I paid you for. (laughs) So I do have one question for Ashton. Um, Yes. And it's about promise plan. I think we need to spend more time talking about promise (laughs) plan. Yeah, bring it back. I know you. I know you said you're that, that. That was then. That was in the old days. And one of the biggest things that's changed for you um, is is an emphasis more on health. And uh, I'm wondering if you've tried to or thought about incorporating more fruits into your diet in the form of Promised Land peach milk. Because <laughs> if you haven't, you really should consider trying the Promised Land peach milk because it's good. <laughs> it is. This is a real thing. Really no, I don't believe you. It's, I don't believe you. It can't be good. It is. It is like a melted Chick Fil A peach milkshake. 
Okay. You have my interest. <laughs> Sparked my curiosity. I, I shall try this. <laughs> Get you a sleeve of honey grams and a quart of promised land peach milk. Ashton's <laughs> next post. But like, yeah, I'm competing at I'm competing at 120 now, guys. 105. <laughs> I flew straight past that. These guys gave me terrible advice. They said they were professionals, invited me on their podcast, and they gave me diabetes. Is it really bad advice? Sounds, it sounds delicious. <laughs> really delicious advice. So I, I have a question for you, Ashton. So like what's uh in, in case Ryan wasn't gonna ask it, but what's next? Like what are the next goals for you? Mm, yeah. If you if you want to share them, if they're close to the vest, that's cool. Um, no, but yeah. yeah. What's what's next for you, man? So, um, you know, if all things go well with COVID and everything else, I'm planning to compete again um, at TSS actually, Texas oh, nice. Systems, uh, February 28th. That's my current plan. Um, I'm looking to hopefully total more than I did last meet, um, but well, just depending on my ability, maybe not quite. Um, 2200 yet, but hopefully get in the mid 2100 range, and then the meet after that, I'll probably try to take a crack at close to that if it goes well. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, like my ultimate goals, like sort of lifelong goals, is um, I've wanted like so one of my old lifetime goals actually was to break 800 on the squat, and now that I've done that, and I'm like I still have so much more left now. I've like readjusted that number to 900, and um, <laughs> for deadlift, yeah, I know for for deadlift. <laughs> My lifetime goal has always been to hit um, 1,000 pounds. To do 1,000 pounds, drug-free, you know, um, I want to do it conventional. Like, I, I want to do it sumo too, but I want to do it conventional one day. Like, that's still that's still on the table for me. And, um, yeah, I mean, those are my main, those are my, my primary goals. And then for bench press, I just, you know, just want to keep getting better. Um, I think as I get heavier and I get older, um, that it'll it'll eventually sync up and get better Hopefully. wow yeah man that's awesome i believe in you so I mean, it's just just totally i mean that, that that's rare territory outside of drug tested lifting but if you talk about doing that now yeah that's totally absurd i mean oh yeah, yeah. i love yeah, it that would, that would be insane i probably won't pull a thousand in the meat i'm not sure about that but but i definitely just want to do it i just want to do it and be able to say that i've done it and weigh all the plates and everything and yeah, that's it's like absolutely forklift certified. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Are you worried that if you do it in straps, the Instagram lifters of the world will never let you hear the end of it? Oh no, I. So I actually never use straps for deadlift. I um, good man. Yeah, I. I don't know. For me, like if I did it with straps, it just wouldn't be the same. I, I have to do it without. <laughs> it's a personal thing totals that will find fault you know <laughs> oh, yeah, always. Always. I'm, I'm still sitting back here aghast that he said now that i've squatted 800 i've readjusted my goals and i was like oh he's gonna say like 825 to 900 and that was the one where if we don't end it there i don't know where yeah, yeah. Ashton, where can people find you? Where can they reach out? Where they can they DM you all of their encouragement and whatnot? Oh, yeah, the best place for that is is uh, Instagram. That's the one I use the most. And people seem to enjoy the stuff that I put out. And, you know, people always welcome to message me. Like, I, you know, can't always answer everything. But, I mean, I certainly try to answer a lot of people, you know, especially when they offer, you know, kind words of encouragement and, um, you know, tell me how much they motivate like i motivate them and all this other stuff you know it always means a whole lot to me and it means a great deal so i try to reply to as much of it as i can what's your handle over there in case they haven't seen it uh wreck it ruska <laughs> yeah there it is <laughs> mike where can they find you and what can they use you for oh yeah so um they can find much less impressive lifting videos and occasional like nuanced topics at a mike taylor dpt um, is the Instagram at. So if you got questions about training, rehab, et cetera, pain, any of that good stuff, uh, you could ask me. I might not know the answer, but you could ask me. <laughs> and at the FBI, uh, Tom, where can they find you? Not on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Anywhere but Twitter. I'm on Instagram. As always. It's uh, Tomas Twitter? underscore Neil. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't do it. Don't do it. 
you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna lose your job if they find the Twitter. <laughs> oh, no one's no one find my Twitter. As always, you can find me at the underscore squad father at Gifted Performance on Instagram. This has been another episode of the Gifted Performance podcast. Thank you a million to Ashton for coming on. It has been an absolute ball. We will catch you guys on the next one. Stay gifted.